0: Pelletero Pickle, episode 137. We're talking hitters outperforming athleticism, building from the bottom. Paul Skeens is good again, and Trey Turner has the support of the Philly fans. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 137. It's a Labor Day issue. My name is Bobby Tewksbury. Joining me is Chris Colabello. Before we get started, a reminder to send your topics and questions to pickle at pelletero.com or find us on social media at Pelotero pickle on Twitter at Pelotero app, basically everywhere else. Uh, and then you, if, if you follow the show, you probably follow Chris Lyon on Twitter. So hit us up there. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? today? Hello,
1: Bobby. I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. I'm excited to get work done today on this Labor Day. I always feel weird. It's like you're supposed to not work on Labor Day. It feels like you should work on Labor Day. According to the title. The celebration of working. Yeah. Yeah. You celebrate working by not working.
1: Based on your affinity for definitions now, I would say it's defined poorly. Yeah. So... On Labor Day. Yeah, it's the day of labor.
0: its I just looked it up. It's recognition of what workers have contributed to the nation's prosperity. I feel like working would honor them. Not working is kind of like a you take a day off to recognize their hard work.
1: It's kind How of many holidays do you think are actually in place just so teachers get days off of school?
0: Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of made up holidays now. Like there's like a like Donut Day. There's like International Cut Your Grass Day. I don't know. There's a bunch of like made up holidays now. I don't know what the guidelines or the the rules are for those. I feel like
1: so many holidays now. Remember when you're in high school and you couldn't you couldn't really wait for the four day week, right? Whether it was it was always better when you had Friday off. But then Saturday and Sunday coming because it shortened the week from the front, but having Monday off wasn't bad either. but the thing that I don't understand about Labor Day is why schools start and then you have a three day weekend right away. That makes no sense to me.
0: I always liked I liked when uh you would go to school the week before Labor Day as a three day week. And then Labor Day, Labor day was a four-day week. And so as you're like easing your way in. You go a three-day, four-day, five-day to get it going. I kind of like that.
1: It's just a tease at that point.
0: Just a tease. All right. I just pulled up a calendar. We've uh, <laughs> got four days here. Today is Labor Day, obviously a holiday. It's also National Wildlife Day. It's the West Indian Day Parade. And it's also World Sexual Health Day. So, yeah. Uh, get out there and celebrate everybody.
1: How do you, how do you get a holiday? Do you just request <laughs> one? I don't
0: know. I just googled it. It's uh I just googled it. I mean, tomorrow there's five, there's three different things. Tomorrow? Oh my. Tomorrow's National Cheese Pizza Day. Oh boy.
1: Are there is there like a national, national- is there a national <laughs> governing body for holidays? Do you just sit there and go, "All right, let me you know let what? me hit up the National yeah. Holiday Board." NHB to I, I'm, suggest
0: it's a it's a great point I would like to know how to apply for something like that'd be fun to do like a National Pelotero Day
1: I would come up with something way better or, than that I would, I would come up with something and this is just off the top of my head because I'm looking into my backyard right now National Weed and Grass Day
0: December 9th is National Llama Day I mean, this stuff is outrageous. You can, there's a lot, I mean, there's hundreds, if not thousands of days. It's only 365 days a year. On average, there's three or more, three to five, three to four
1: per day. It's crazy. I feel like we could just put one on Wikipedia and then we're done. And then people will start it's, observing Can I it. say it again?
0: Say it again? It on, Did you say Wikipedia?
1: W- w- Wikipedia. No, your, your audio always stinks on this. Wikipedia.
0: You said Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Wikipedia.
1: No. No. WikiLeaks. Wikipedia. Wiki, Wikipedia. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> Sue me. Ah. There's
0: these two. There's a. There's a really funny uh, TikTok account. I'll send it to you guys next time it pops up. It's these two guys that just like yell at each other and they banter and it's, it's it's really funny. I I'm not gonna have a good example for you right now, but next time I find one, I'll share it. Uh, maybe I'll post it on Twitter as well, and Pelletero pickle can retweet it that'll be a, a way for you guys to engage with us but they uh they basically just like draw attention to ridiculous takes they have when they're younger or different food things that they like it's outstanding reminds me of of us when we when we bicker so it's good <clears throat> it's good nice ready for uh ready for topics go. So I had a tweet this past week. It was really a compliment to you that I just ended up tweeting. I wrote the best hitters outperform their athleticism. So I'm curious what that meant to you because I ultimately said it as a compliment to you in one of our category creation meetings that we've been doing. Um, What does it mean to you to outperform your athleticism? I told
1: you it was my favorite compliment that I've ever gotten. I think the best thing you can say about somebody is that they maximize their potential or that they achieve everything that their top end allows them to, right? From a sheer athleticism standpoint, and I, the analogy I used was, I was talking to a, a civilian, I guess we'll call him, the other day, and I said, look, I wasn't a very good athlete, and they were like, well, you're a pretty good athlete. I said, thank you, but I said... In comparison to Mike Trout, I'm not. And those are my peers, right? Mike Trout was my peer. Mike Trout runs faster, jumps higher, moves more weight, does everything better than me from an athletic standpoint. And I out hit him one year. So I think it, part of the reason why I fell in love with, with baseball was because I, I think I realized at a pretty early age, you didn't have to necessarily be the best athlete on the field to thrive. And I think I noticed quickly that there, there was room for all different shapes and sizes and contributing to the game is about being good at what you're good at as much as it is anything else. Be good at what you're good at. <clears throat> I'll never forget my dad. I think the greatest piece of advice my dad ever gave me when I was a kid and he reiterated a lot. Um, it's probably the only thing I really remember from when I was little that he always used to say to me, he said, if you can hit, they'll find a place to play you. And I always thought about the game itself, right? Like I, generally baseball was boring to me, right? When I was, when I was young, the idea of watching it anyway, right? So if I had to sit on the sidelines and watch, I didn't necessarily like baseball. (laughs) And I think that held true throughout my career. So I always wanted to be in the lineup. I always thought about ways that if I wasn't going to be in the lineup, that I had to figure out ways to be in the lineup. And if you hit, they'll find a place to play you. And that was like the Definition of my career I got to the big leagues my first game in the outfield in the big leagues was in the outfield and I hadn't played the outfield barely at all so To me learning how to hit is about Strategy and chess play as much as it is about anything else and I think it's leveraging the six tool, which is your brain um, You know, I go over it a lot in my head. There's just a lot of ways to to find success offensively Um And most of that to me has to do with your mind.
0: So I want to ask you this from a chicken to the egg kind of standpoint here. So if you look at peak performance, right? Absolute peak performance. I personally feel that your, your athleticism will always be maximized by your mental game. Like you, you, you're, you, you, your athleticism will never can never outperform your ability to think and process and, and game plan and all that stuff. If you raise your athleticism up, you can like like let's say you start at zero and you get your athleticism to five. If your athleticism is at five, your mental game can take it to a six or a seven, right? It can go up. If your athleticism's at a five and your mental game's at a three, you might perform at a, a five, but you're not going to perform at a six there's like a multiplier effect when you use, when you, when your brain and when you're, when I say like you outperform your athleticism, we've, we've been having a lot of conversations with college coaches recently. And I, I just, I feel that so many kids that end up getting recruited that are, that are very good hitters. And I'm, maybe I maybe I don't even know if I want to call it like that they have success as hitters. They're good athletes They get to the next level and they've never had a developed mental side of their game. So when they get to school and they're facing, like, they're facing the best pitcher in their league every single night, because that's ultimately what college is. It's like you're going from playing a bunch of scrubs all the time in high school. Like, if you're that good, if you're going to like a power five, the kids you face in high school are scrubs. They stink compared to you. So you just beat up on them because you're just out, you outclass them. I had an analogy last week that imagine – and this I'm gonna. I'm going to – I don't know if this is the best analogy, but I'm going to have some analogy for for travel ball parents that I want them to picture this every time the score is like 14 to nothing. Imagine you're on a dirt bike track, like one of those motocross whatever things, and you're just – you're zipping around on a motorcycle on a dirt bike, right? You're doing the doubles. You're doing the triples. You're doing the little – like the bumpy things. I don't know what they're called. You're just zipping around the track. And then somebody else comes out on the track on a mountain bike and they're just riding around on a mountain bike and you're just not as good. You're just like the guy's literally doing like backflips over you on the mountain bike. And the guy on the mountain bike, his parents are in the stand clapping like, good job. You're doing it. Good job. And you're getting smoked 14 to nothing. And you have no chance. The dirt bike could go at 25% speed and still be successful. They're still going to win that race against the mountain bike. It's just an absurd competition, but that's what happens when you go out on the field, I just want parents to be looking out on the field, visualizing their kid riding a mountain bike and everybody else is on a dirt bike and you have no chance or vice versa where like, it's a waste of time for both parties. It's yeah. just, it's absurd. I, I just, so bringing that back to the the hitting specific thing, if, if you're a dirt bike facing mountain bikers in high school, like you're, if you're the power five kid playing non-power five competition, you're just better and you never have to develop the mental side of the game to be successful. You can get away (laughs) with just being better. So when you get to the next level, when you're facing pitchers that truly challenge you physically, the mental side of the game is the thing that's missing. And that's the piece that allows you to perform, take that five to a six or seven. And yes, you want to always improve your athleticism, but this is kind of our, our rub against like the whole, yeah, like increase your bat speed. Yeah. Go for it. Go get them. Increase your bat speed. If you don't know how to hit, you're gonna increasing your bat speed will increase your your chances of being able to hit a ball far. Every once in a while, like your best bolt's gonna get better, but is it actually making you a better hitter?
1: the The question the question becomes right, and I think I think I'm gonna answer this in three parts. Number one, I sent a text to the group, and I want to talk about it. You guys should be looking at it now. And the first part is you think about when you think about the game itself, right? And you think about how players relate to moments, right? The, the, the first part is we need to, as hitters, understand what, what the goal is in any given moment, right? What, like, what are we trying to accomplish? And and you mentioned last week, you loved when, best on best right like the miguel cabrera against justin verlander matchup the the guy against the guy that was the entertainment of the sport for you and like that happens a lot in major league baseball it's best on best right leverage situation in the game and and it it relates to the, t- the the text i just sent you guys it was in bat raphael devers had the other night against uh the astros a pivotal game critical series right the red sox needed the game to be able to essentially have a chance right and not that you want to count them out yet because there's still time but uh, they were down six two, two outs two runners on and basically a spot in the eighth inning where if Devers hits a double you know they have a fighting chance or if he hits a homer they're down one going into the ninth or still with two outs in the eighth and he took an at-bat against uh, reliever hard thrower one of their leverage guys and it became abundantly clear after the second pitch about what they were trying to do to him. And, you know, we, we know the Red Sox pretty well. We know their, their staff. If you're going to attack Raphael Devers, you attack him with the fastball up, right? Cause you're going to get him to chase. And we're talking about like the tierdoms of superstardom and how the Astros superstars really sh- like shined in that series. It was Alvarez Bregman and Altuve, Altuve hit for the cycle. Alvarez was like nine for two. And Devers had a tough series, right? So Rafael Devers is a really good hitter. And if you go look at that at bat, it's just a microcosm of what that series represented. He got, I think it was eight fastballs at the top of the zone. And one of them was one to hit. He missed the spot and he missed out over the plate on 1-0. And it was a big swing, gangster hack, like trying to hit the three-run homer because the moment got big, right? And, And he kept swinging at the same pitch. So, You have to manage those moments right you have to manage the understanding of those moments and and directly related to the athleticism piece there's plenty of guys that can do stuff like there's plenty of guys that can hit it hard hit it far and it it ties into the other thing that we saw there was a tweet that went out last week that said you know the higher the higher level that you get to pitching wise like more velocity better stuff the less bat speed seems to matter in the results and i was like well duh in the history of things that people have known forever here's another captain obvious statement it's the see how easy you can swing and hit it hard right if you work on bat speed as a young player right if you're if you spend an hour a day working on your bat speed if you spend two hours a day working on your physical on your gym stuff on your on your 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 sheer athleticism stuff then you spend spend two hours a day hitting right, or whatever it is, that's time that you never get back. And I'm not saying don't work on it. But you have to find balance in all of it. Because when you're young, you get away with learning the athleticism stuff. And you don't get away with learning the mental stuff. There was a kid we just we just talked to that literally went to college and ran into a buzzsaw his freshman year, ran into a buzzsaw, just got beat up by the game. And it happens over and over and over again. Because if you're not, if you're not prepared to fail, then when you do fail, it's it's daunting, it's overwhelming. The first time you really struggle, oh for 20, 15 strikeouts, like you feel helpless. It feels like tidal waves, weeks at a time where you're just non existent. It takes away your love for the game. And that's why I think a lot of people stop playing. So the whole wrap-in is like, how does it how does it affect your emotions? as much as your mental game. Cause I think mental and emotional tie in together, but they're also two separate things.
0: Well, the, just the whole game can speed up on you. I love the part The one of the first things you said there was just understanding the moment and what, like what is successful in any given situation. That's you, you have to understand that. Um, one thing that popped in my head while you were talking was like the best way to maximize exit velocity is to square up the ball. Like you, you you're never going to hit the ball harder than you can hit it. But if you don't square up the ball, the bat, to ball component of it, which leads perfectly into the next topic, accidentally good segue by me. Um, if you don't square up the ball, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter how fast you swing. If you can't create timing, if you can't, if you can't get the barrel to the ball, if you can't square it up, nothing else matters. Uh, so that the next topic is, uh, the, Topic on the show notes is building from the bottom. So I had a tweet that said, "If you're sitting on a pitch and can't hit it hard, start there." And there's been like a there's been a, an attack on T work over the last I don't know ten years. Uh, Tony Gwynn used to talk about hitting off a knuckle hitting hitting off um, T until you would hit knuckleballs with like a wiffle ball. It's like that's just telling you like you have perfect direction, perfect plane, perfect contact. Like that's beautiful if you can hit knuckleballs off the tee so ultimately hitting is getting your barrel to a spot at a specific time that's hitting the more adjustable you are the more the more dynamic that move becomes and you can get your barrel to more more spots at different times so it's like this three-dimensional kind of like Forward and back. Can you can you create depth? Can you create length? Can you go up? Can you go down? Can you extend out? Can you pull in? Like, how big is that bubble that you have? Your it's like the bubble of success. Like, how big is that? And velocity plays a huge factor in that because as soon as velocity goes up, the amount of things you, you're limited. There is a limitation with your athleticism. If you if you never get on time to begin with, you're you're screwed. You have no chance um, against good pitching. You have no chance. But my point with that post was no matter what, no matter what swing you have, if you can't get the barrel to the ball when you know what's coming, if you're sitting on a pitch, if you can't get your barrel to it, if it's it's the pitch you're looking for thrown to the spot you're looking for it, if you cannot square it up, you cannot be successful long-term in this game.
1: Well, hitting – Bobby, hitting (laughs) – this is going to sound weird. Right. But like when you learn how to swim, right. You get in the shallow end of the pool and there's always the safety net of being on in the shallow end. So you can just stand up. Right. That's my comparison to hitting in practice. And then hitting in a game is like swimming against a riptide current waves crashing down on you like they're they're two completely different things shark shark infested yeah they're, they're they're the same but they're different right they're two different kinds of science it's like seventh grade biology versus you know biochemistry nuclear physics system whatever they're both types of science but they're not the same and that's why spring training is as long as it is that's why because Guys need to get into shark infested waters. And that's the reason why no matter what we do in our training, we can't recreate the shark infested waters because no matter what in practice, you just will never feel the stresses of having to perform with a scoreboard, number of outs, account. And like, they're just not the same until you get in the lion's mouth. It's not the same. The game is is different, and and that's why it's so hard, right? That's why it's so hard. Because, like, think about the times that you would go from, you know, winter practice and alluding to the point about the T. Like, you need the T. Like, if you need the T. If you don't need the T, you don't need the T. Meaning you have to understand what your objective is every time you go into practice and how it relates to what you're going to do in the game. Because... It might be a swing thing that you're working on. It might be a feel that you're trying to create at contact, right? It might be a feel you're trying to create in terms of ball flight. The best way to do that is with a stationary object. The implications that we can just turn the machine on fast, it, like, it's wild to me that more young players now are hitting off the machine. And I think generationally for us, hitting off the, like, none of us wanted to hit off the machine. No, not that I remember, like when I got to 17, 18 years old, nobody wanted to hit off the machine. We wanted to see live arm because we understood that seeing live arm implied that you were going to put in timing constraints that were different differentiation of pitches, having to take pitches. So like discrediting all of that and just saying, Oh, well, we're going to put on velocity because we need to handle velocity. Like it's balanced, man. You have to have all of it. It's a, it's a, it's, There's a totality that we're missing by just doing one or the other right and they all matter and they're significant in development so yeah guess what taking bp off a guy or taking flips off a guy is important because guess what there's just going to be a little differentiation every pitch so the the peripheral stuff that you gain by doing that is way better than the peripheral stuff that you gain from the machine yeah like we would turn the machine on to track pitches, just so our eyes would get used to velo. But like, as soon as the guy's trying to get you out, when he hits a spot three times in a row, you're done. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter, right? If he just if he dots, you're out. Deal with it. Unless you learn how to combat it, and that's where like willingness and desire to 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 take sub optimal swings and be able to just impact the baseball, whether it's a foul ball, whether it's late, whether it's just tip it, nick it, whatever, on pitches that are daunting matters. And that's stuff that I feel like we're not learning. We're not even talking about. People, people are making it so surface level, they're making hitting surface level. So they're going back a hundred years in time, but we have technology and we have data and we have stuff to analyze it. So they're saying like, yeah, in terms of optimization, this is what to do. A hundred years ago, guys were like, Oh, yeah, we knew that, but you just understood it inherently. It wasn't like a thing that people needed to define, I guess. You have to prove it, yeah, you didn't need to prove it, right?
0: You have to, like, the sky is blue. So, do we need to really spend a lot of time thinking about yeah. that? Or then somebody's going to come out and be like, The sky's actually not blue, it's blah, 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 based on the the sun and the clouds and the atmosphere and yeah. blah, blah. It's, it's not actually blue. It's like, well, wh- what's practical here? Uh, a couple of things that, that stood out to me when you're talking. Um, I used to love doing T work and it was more just kind of like a check-in. Like, can I do what I'm trying to do? Um, how about mentality of a hit and run when you get a hit and run sign? Do you ever get a hit and run and just feel relaxed? Like, oh, I know I'm swinging right now, so I don't have to.
1: Coaches used to put it on all don- the time. I don't- they used to put it on when you were scuffling, they like, would just put the head and run on so you didn't have to think.
0: Yeah. So there's like, that's just a, such a simple example of like how decision-making matters in terms of confidence, in terms of just all this stuff I used to like hit and run. I know I'm swinging stand away, look away as uh, Ken, uh, Ken Herring used to say that. And uh, that was NECBL. CBL, but uh, stand away, look away. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to swing period. I don't have to think just swing. Um, little side note. I wish at the youth level, I have a couple of rules for youth baseball that I would implement. One rule is like center field's shortest, not the corners, not, not pull side. I wish center field was shortest. Um, second rule would be you swing at all pitches and the umpire calls balls and strikes based on pitch location, not based on swing and miss. Just teach kids to swing the bat and they would stop swinging. If they couldn't hit the ball, they would just like, "Eh," they'd, they would be active taking all the time, which would be cool.
1: Well, in, in uh, line with so, that yeah. – wait, stop there. In line with that, how do you figure out what your range is if you don't figure out what your range is, right? I got, right? You have to learn your range at some point. You have to learn where your happy zone is. Like Everybody assumes middle of the plate is middle of the plate, but i tell you what, when you go to the youth games and you got every hitter is standing on the white line because they're afraid the umpire is going to call the ball six inches off the plate. That's, a, that's they it. That's it, it I mean, not yeah. go watch ninety nine percent of amateur hitters, especially the good ones, right? Like they're all on the white line. They're all on it because they don't. Ninety percent of pitches are going to be away because kids are taught to pitch away. They're scared pitchers, to pitch yeah, in. pitches and, and it's yeah. it's a whole. There's a whole <laughs> ecosystem that exists within like hitter development, and and all of it matters because if you don't check all the boxes then you're going to, you're going to be exposed somewhere, right? You're going to be exposed. And that's, that's why for the longest time people would say you have to learn how to hit, you have to learn. And when you're young, you just don't, it's it's never been an experience until you get kicked in the face. And I, I think I got lucky. I, I got, I got punched in the mouth a lot when I was young and it made a difference. I going to the big field sucked going to high school sucked. Like I, there were a lot of times when I felt less than in the game. Right. Like it's it just, I was a year young for my grade. I was always playing up with the guys. Like it, it, just, I felt less than, and because of that, I don't know. It, it I started building my armor sooner, I think, but it also, it, it you know, there was a the level of fear and all of that, that, that tied into it. And I think the fear kept me on my toes as a player.
0: good the last thing that that was in my head was um mentality on a 3-1 or 2-0 pitch i remember being a freshman playing jv um i used to take a lot of 3-0 or 3-1 and 2-0 pitches like just right down the middle just fastballs just grooved my coach would always wear me out and just really stress that i needed to be swinging at those pitches and at the time I felt more confident working the count than I did taking a, I don't know, big swing. I, I used to fear taking a big swing and trying to do too much. Um, but just from a confidence standpoint, the mindset of a hitter two Oh three one is huge. Um, that same coach used to tell me, I wish you could start your at bats with two strikes because you become such a better hitter with two strikes. And I always thought that was interesting. That that stood out to me because it it just minimized your options. I think that's what it ended up doing like two Oh three one. I was, I was more afraid to make a mistake and take like not hit a ball hard that I'm supposed to hit a ball hard or swing too big and and just fly out. You know, it it was more fear of mistake than it was. Here's an opportunity to do something awesome and just put a good swing on it. I used to always have to tell myself swing fast, not hard. That was like a, just an echo in my head, swing fast, not hard, swing fast, not hard. Um, but that the mentality that 2031 mentality I think reveals a lot about a hitter's confidence and who they are as a player it's so just a side note there a little thought you have anything to add on that you've ever moments in your career where swing what was like let's go back to like high school Chris Colabello versus big league Chris Colabello mindset on a two zero pitch
1: <sighs> Ugh, that's a different cat that's a different cat man you start to understand, what changed, though? you start to understand, but you just get, you feel in the driver's seat, right? You feel in command where in high school, like there's, there's this innate fear, uh, about making outs that you're, you're just, you don't understand it. Like you don't understand the power of two zero. you don't understand the power of three, one. You don't understand the freedom to swing and miss. You don't understand because the swing and miss was still daunting to you in high school, right? Like it, it created this effect of like, well, I was supposed to hit that it was two zero and. So just really understanding the different moments and how they all tied in together. If you put me in a 2-0 count when I was 30 or 28, like, you're going to be lucky to get out alive on the other side, right? And and that was just a mindset thing. Um, it, it all plays a role, right? It all, it all matters in the sense that we just need to have this presence about us and, and like, when you start to see the results of like the stuff that we would show our guys where, you know, plus counts, guys hit 300, 400 points higher. It there's just margin for error, right? It, Cause it comes down to margin for error as a hitter. Where, where is your margin? And you sit there and you think about it and you go, all right, well, if I'm, if I'm hitting with two strikes, I have limited margin for error. Where if I'm hitting three Oh two, two Oh two, one, like, you have some wiggle room. You can get away with stuff. The fast, not hard thing was a, was a, a for sure for me, like thinking about quick. It, it was even quick, not fast or quick, not hard. Cause I think quick had a different implication for me. So it's like defining all these things that are like, they're just, they're, they're like little things that kind of just get overlooked now because the, the majority of the conversations are about, well, what's your back elbow doing? Or what's your rear hip doing? Because the implication that movement can put you in a position to be successful, there is a, there's a competitive advantage to be gained from swinging more efficiently, right? But swinging more efficiently has everything to do with being on time, right? Like we, you always used to say, timing is your swings. Timing is mechanics, mechanics is timing. And it, there, there isn't a statement that could be more true than that because, <laughs> like, the like I could throw the ball yesterday, I could swing today, and I could have a great swing, <laughs> and it does—it literally, it doesn't matter. So that's again, it's—it's it's so much of the tie-in with why hitting is is built to be so difficult because you have to, you have to match what somebody else is doing. Really, it's the it's the defense, not offense, thing, right? Like you're. You're, you don't control tempo. You don't control timing. You don't control any of it. You have to respond, really.
0: Yeah. The, I like thinking about imagine facing somebody throwing like 200 miles per hour <laughs> or like if somebody's shooting a ball out of a cannon. Yeah. Like you could time that up. If you know when that ball's coming out, you could time that up. But you have to get – hyper hyper specific about where you're aiming before the ball is even released so the less time you have the more likely it is that you're going to guess wrong and the the less you have to guess the more your swing dynamics become a factor it's almost like if you have a terrible swing your your options are limited so you just you have to know what you can and can't do and that might be like self-inflicted, where you're just not a good athlete, or your swing stinks, or the pitcher's just that good, and you have to you have to recognize your strength against that pitcher. And you there's only so much you can do. There's only so many things that you are capable of doing against that arm. So you just have to shrink what you're trying to do.
1: Well, not but it also it also ties in directly with how results directly define how people are feeling. Like it, it, it all it's all like a big tie-in, right? When you're the, the the better athlete in high school and you're facing a guy throwing eighty-one like you get away with so much stuff, like the ground ball in the six hole, the, 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 you know, the knuckle sandwiches are few and far between because very few guys will come challenge you on that inner third of the plate. And even if they do, do they have enough fastball to, to, to mess with you?
0: Yeah. You're just gonna, you're just gonna smash it. it it, So it doesn't doesn't speed you
1: up. You know, the funny thing, the weird part about this is I look back to all of it. Right. And. I think about how much I used to pull the ball when I was young, right? It's pull, 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 pull. And it wasn't necessarily, it it was when I was in little league. And then there was a stretch in high school and like early college where the opposite field was actually open to me. It was not on purpose. It was just more like late barrel right center would show up like the ball, the elevated fastball, right. That, that had a little giddy up. And like, I, I try to reflect on what, what the players resonate with right now. What do, what do young people resonate with? Cause I always used to resonate with my batting average. Like it just, I always knew it. It didn't matter what league I was playing in. There was a start and a finish, like whether it was high school, Legion, you know, senior Ruth college, like right now kids are playing on so many different teams and so many different showcase events that I think it, it's almost lost in the shuffle. And like, they almost don't hold themselves to the, to the batting average standard. So I, I try to think about what is the, the the line of demarcation for success. And it's probably like, oh, I had a hit this weekend or I had a, a hit every game or whatever. I hit, a, I hit a pump or whatever it was. But I would have been miserable in these situations because like to not have a real batting average that could be accumulated over time over X amount of games would have driven me crazy. Right. So it hits you front row and center when you go to college and when you're on one team. Right. And you have a fall, a winter and a spring. Right. And it's all like kind of tied in together all. You you consider it all one, even though the, the season stats only count from the regular season. I sit there and I go, what, what is the thing that moves the needle for these guys? Like how do they, how do they define what good is in their head? And I don't, I don't really know. For me, good was was I hitting three hundred, so I had to get my hits. If I if I took a one for twelve, it just felt miserable, like I, ah, panic, frantic. You know, um, I don't, I don't suggest that for anyone. But I think that anxiety also caused me to like get it done right because it made my windows of suck much shorter. <laughs> because I, I would just say like I'm abandoning ship and I'm going to go. I'm going to go scratch and claw and figure out how to survive right now. I have to. I have to survive. Like, I had to survive hitting because in my mind, how good was it shapes,
0: I? It shapes what you care about. Yeah.
1: Like, it, it shapes what you care like, about. Like, I was paying attention to everything. Where was I hitting in the lineup? Did the coach move this guy? Did he move that guy? So I, I knew all of it. Like, it was, I was entirely too aware of what was going on. And so, but if I got hits, then I was contributing. If, even if it was a ground ball through the six hole, if I hit a two run single through the six hole, like, guess what? We win. Box score says, "Yay, good job. Like, so I defined it by the box score way too much. Cause if somebody had just could have been able to like, it's again, like I talk about compensating in the opposite direction. I was a guy that was so focused on how many hits I got that if somebody had just come in and said like, uh, if I had gotten a chance to talk to a big League and said, dude, you smash, you're just destroying baseballs and you're out. Like who cares? I would have probably been like, well, that's good. But my, my source, my baseball mentor was my dad. My dad came up in a military background. He was a pitcher who just, you know, if he, if he walked three guys in a complete game shutout is his dad was like, why'd you walk three? Like, so think about what three for four looked like for me. It's like, Oh, well, why'd you make it out that fourth? time? You know, it was good. And it was also bad. I had to mm-hmm. learn how to manage all of it. You have to learn how to manage all of it.
0: Yep. So, Kind of building off of that, a good segue again. Uh, great news! Uh, SEC baseball is now equivalent to AA because Paul Skeens had a good outing. So everybody that used confirmation bias to say that a bad outing means it's not AA, now they have to reverse course because Paul Skeens had a good outing. He got people out. Therefore, through the transitional properties of association logic and logic, and flux capacitors, uh, AA is now. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this last week. This is all a joke. Um, our, our boy Fry Daddy was trying to talk trash and said that Paul Skeen's having a bad outing means he stinks and that he's not good. Um, how about like a guy that throws a hundred with a nasty slider, two shapes of sliders and a change up? It's probably pretty good.
1: It's pretty good. The short-sightedness of our society go. is like more of the topic here, right? The the short-sightedness. Well,
0: I also I also want to point out how many guys are getting promoted super early right yeah. now.
1: The short-sightedness of attention-grabbing headlines is more bewildering to me than anything else. Let's again be Well, cl- they were
0: all silent. Nobody commented. Let's, Nobody commented yeah, on but it.
1: But let's again be clear. If you're good, then you're good. And if you're not good, then you're not good. The problem is nobody knows what fucking good is. Like, nobody knows.
0: No, we gotta put the sensor. We gotta put the sensor on the episode. I or don't we'll, care. Or we can Like,
1: that. I'm mad. I had to get mad at that. Mm. Nobody knows what good is. And everybody knows what good is, but nobody knows how to define it and say, like, yeah, this guy's good or this guy's not. I heard a major league executive recently say to me, College baseball is now uh a fast track to the big leagues because college baseball's gotten really? significantly better, right? So all the kids that were worried about getting drafted like at a young age, like so many guys from this year's draft class are in double A. Like Matt Shaw just went to double A. in the big leagues. Well,
0: let's, I mean, let's look at this objectively. The transfer portal, the, the shortening of the draft is it's made, it's made like, the mid-majors, D2s, D3s, JUCOs into the farm system for the Power Fives. The Power Fives are now the farm system for the minor leagues, which it always has been, but it's just the, the, the talent is getting so condensed at the top. So yeah, by default, like the championship game had... What was it? Thirteen and six. Nineteen players that got drafted last year and you're, alone you're, on those two rosters. The
1: whole game is shifted at the major league level, right? To expedite the the young player getting to the big leagues because, and I think it, this is just recognition of multiple things. Number one, the younger player costs less, right? They they cost less in terms of what what they pay for them. And number two, there's fewer jobs in the minor leagues, which again, it's all it's an it's all at the end of the day it all comes down to follow the the dollar signs right like oh you want to pay minor leaguers more well we have to have less of them oh we want major league players to be making less money so on and so forth right so expediting that curve for these guys like because at the end of the day major league baseball is judged jury, and executioner like they the, the the executives the way they structure rosters they are it doesn't necessarily mean a 22 year old kid's better than a 31 year old guy like and i'll never I will never buy into that because I think watching Justin Turner and David Ortiz at age 38, 39, 40 whatever it is just continues to reaffirm that like you get like you're like a fine wine as a hitter, you get better as you get older, right? Like you're just getting better. There's no stopping better. And I let me put it this way, I think good hitters get better every stretch that they go. I think good hitters get better because they learn the zone, they learn this, they talk the article on Turner with the lanes, it was unbelievable because you just have much more ownership of what makes you good and you understand it all way better. And you're much less emotional about it. I will say this, younger athletes are getting better, faster in terms of top like athleticism, right? Like they're, they're, they're exposed to more information. So they're training harder. You get guys like skiing throwing a hundred in college. Like that just wasn't a thing. Right, like there maybe there was one unicorn, but now there's so many 96 pluses in in the SEC that it's like it's scary almost, right? So are those guys prepared to play in the big leagues? The only question you have to answer, the only box you have to check is, are you ready mentally to play there? Because there were plenty of guys that came out of college baseball in 2000 that were ready to play in the big leagues. You didn't know if they could handle the emotion and the mental side of it, which is why like they backloaded minor league rosters with minor league free agents and there were just much much many more guys that stuck around longer like it was like if you got to the big leagues you could keep a job until you won't you did not want one anymore right and that's just not happening as much that all that being said don't get it twisted any given guy the Hurston Waldrips the 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 Rhett Louders the guys that we saw in the college World series the the Paul Skeens they can go pitch a big league game tomorrow and throw a shutout if they throw their best game right if they have their shit, if they throw their stuff, if they throw the ball where they want to, how are they going to deal with what happens when they get kicked in the teeth? When guys put together an inning of grimy at bats against them, like the game is not about how good you can be at any given moment. The game is how good you can be over time. And therefore you have to learn to be good when you're bad, when you don't have your stuff, when you're not your best. And that's what makes up a player's resume is what he does over the course of a season. And, a career not just one outing so let's like the short-sightedness of society is what bothers me more than anything else in all of this like stop guys stop stop please one outing doesn't define the player one at bat doesn't. one game one week doesn't define the player we all know this but everybody's just jumping the gun to have a clickable headline clickbaity stuff is trending so like whatever
0: Attention! They want attention to feel important. It's fun. It is fun. Uh, Trey Turner has been lights out since the Philly fans gave him a standing O. So he he's had a kind of an interesting run here. Huge contract in the offseason season what was it, eleven year deal, something like that, ten or eleven year deal. Um, he went absolutely bonkers for Team USA in the WBC. Like, just went off. He carried the team. He was electric. Um, and then he just struggled this year. So, Philly stood up for him, literally. Not just figuratively. They literally stood up for him. They him a standing ovation. And he has been Trey Turner since. Um, what are your thoughts on this situation? W- what do you think went into the, his mentality? I'm going to pull up his stats while you talk. But what do you think is going on through somebody like I mean, he's a, I mean, bona fide major league player. He his contract is huge, so how can a guy like him, and like I guess, what does it say about the the fragility of a human mind that a guy like him can struggle for so long, and then a stadium stands up and claps for him, and he just goes off?
1: I actually, I'm not gonna lie to you. I love when guys that I know are really good players sign monster deals and
0: it's they struggle for 300.
1: I, I love when guys struggle in year one because it means they care. It means they care. They care to live up to the contract. It means that they care. And, and look, not all situations are created equal, but in this case I will one, some
0: guys just, I, some guys go yeah, cruise control. I will
1: 100% yeah. put my stamp on this guy being like, like, like it, it I have to live up to this deal, right? Like I have to, I'm going to a new city, a a city that loves baseball, that literally I have to live up to the guy that I was and continue to improve throughout the course of this contract. So that being said, I also love when guys perform to the caliber of their contract. Like Aaron Judge has 104 homers and 12 at bats this year, which is incredible. Like, right, the guy's just a monster. Um but there's something to be said for the guy that signs the long term deal. Bogart's same thing in San Diego this year. Like they're guys that care, man. They care. And and guess what? When you care, what happens is you put the weight of the world on your shoulders. And because of that, it just means you're human. And it's okay that you're human. Um the storyline here is cool because the Phillies were obviously started playing great. Um, you know, Bryce came back, all this stuff. Like got guys playing really well, the Bryson Stotts and, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you're talking about a team that was in the world series last year, who was really talented to begin with and very capable of doing it again. The moment, the defining moment was if it was the crowd standing up and giving him a standing O is like kudos to Philly fans, because it was probably the day that he just let go. And I, we talk about like, let go all the time. It's stop putting extra pressure and anxiety on yourself because living up to that deal, like it, it goes hand in hand with the conversation I had with Bo at Fenway last year, right? Like at some point it's, it's a landmine, right? It's just a landmine in your career. Cause you think you stay the course. You're going to keep doing your routine stuff. You gonna just keep going about the, the, the journey, right? You get a, a day older, a year older, whatever it is. And, and things change a little bit, but then at some point, you you start taking on more burdens, because you think you can, whether it's being the face of franchise, whether it's being uh, a multi year contract guy, uh, doing more appearances, needing more requests, media, this, that the other thing, being in a situation where the the spotlight's on you more. And it it just gets exhausting at some point, right? And you don't even realize it because you're like, I can manage it. It feels like you can manage it. But then it influences your performance in some capacity, right? Because it, it's the reason I, I joke with people all the time. When you're in the big leagues, you spend 23 hours and 50 minutes focusing on those 10 minutes a day. Where you're going to have four at-bats or five at-bats. And if you don't, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, right? Because you have to perform at peak level. So guess what? When it comes down to, like, who's doing your laundry or who's cleaning your house or who's getting you your food or who, like, there's a reason why. Because if you don't give yourself that freedom, right? And, and I'm not saying everybody has to be like that. And a lot of times you have to have distractions to get away from it all. But um, pretty cool for Trey Turner, pretty cool for the Phillies. I think they become incredibly dangerous now going into the postseason. Um, and if that team's clicking on all cylinders, watch out, man. Because the National League is... I'm actually excited to see what happens in the National League. Um, like, not so much the American League because it's, you know, other than the Orioles, it's kind of the usual suspects. And, and the Rangers are kind of in the mix too, obviously. But um, Seattle's obviously started playing really do you well know? Too, but... Do you
0: know, um, specifically the Turner, do you know, I guess, has this ever – can you think of another instance where – a, a a uh, fan base has flipped like this. It's kind of a interesting situation because typically like if you're underperforming in Yankee state, like Joey Gallo got ran out of town, right? It's just that there's no, like they were never going to give him like a rousing applause to get his spirits. Right. So like why in But I think it's happen? circumstantial,
1: you know? right? Like it, I think you, re- you relate sure. and you resonate with the kid. Like the the kid is he literally, I was reading the article and, uh, I guess one of stop tells him every day and real Muto tell him every day, like you're like the best shortstop. You're all, you're an all world shortstop. And he's like, uh, it's Stott said something to the point of he's like, literally you were, you were the best shortstop in the WBC. So you are the, like the all world shortstop. I'm not even lying. You're, you're the best. Like you're the best. So just be you. And, and you know, when guys can embrace that, like guys like Mookie have embraced that over their career, like you're the best. Just, be the best just that's it you just got to breathe and be and exist um, so to that point though no it can, be, but it can
0: I, be so hard to just be yourself it can be so hard to be yourself and not try to be the expectation but
1: I think that's like stuff that Jeter did right like when you, you can't pull the wool over human beings eyes right you, you can't fake it like you can't like if you're authentic as an individual I think that comes through in spades and and not everybody's gonna see it or want to relate to it. But with a kid like Turner, like it's, he is just everything that's right about sports, right? Like that, if there's a kid that you want, like you want your son or daughter to model their game after, like look at the way he goes about it. He plays hard, goes about it the right way. He's never in the headlines for the wrong reasons. He's just, it's he's almost like underrated because he doesn't grab your attention unless he makes like one of those slides that look like he's in a, In the matrix or whatever right like when when have you ever heard trey turner's name mentioned in a negative light ever other than his struggles this year so the city is going like i feel for this kid i care for this kid i and i know for our team to be the best it can be he we need him to play well and i'm sure there were stories about it in local media there and i'm sure all the reporters relate like he he talked about it openly it's the same reason why jeter would would get that sort of you know attention just be authentic if you're authentic you're like yeah i'm struggling he in in the story it says he was hitting till midnight one night it was after game he took a 0 for 5 and he was in the cage till midnight and somebody walked in like what 300 million dollar player needs to do that unless they care contract's guaranteed dude doesn't matter if you take the swings or not so that resonates. I, I want to do some
0: more homework on on the situation. Yeah. Well, especially Philly fans. Bryce Harper recently. I saw an interview where Harper was just over the top with how thankful he is to be able to put on a Phillies uniform. Philly fans are they're tough, but they, if you, I guess if you're authentic, if you if you earn their respect, they will carry you. They will like honor you, which is really cool.
1: Electric, I like it.
0: Electric. Did Chris Freeze, no. All right. Last topic. Deion Sanders is just doing. He's doing things.
1: What an electric factory.
0: So Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter. The the topic here is the football Otani. I think we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. The kid's good, but we let's, let's let him be Travis Hunter and not force Otani on him. Uh, we did talk about what the equivalent would be for a football player to do both the offense defense side. Where like the pitcher, I think he'd have to be the quarterback while also being the defender. Super impressive. I mean, I saw a breakdown of I don't I don't know what the play is called, but basically there's two slot receivers. The the running back flies out on the flat. I don't know football. But Hunter he, he made the pick that basically prevented a touchdown from being scored, and the breakdown of that play was really cool. It was more it was highlighting more. Buffalo executed that what that play perfectly on defense, and then they ran the exact play on the opposite side of the field against TCU, and they and they scored. The guy just walked in. It's just cool. I don't I don't know football X and O's. I don't know terminology but i you can watch a game and tell when there's energy happening and when there's a best player out there and he was just flying around making catches making plays just Dion, man he just he brought in what 70 players <laughs> just brought in his louis v and just just turned it all around so pretty cool he's i mean Dion's he's he's a he's like a cartoon don't get it, it twisted
1: this dude knows football like he I said this to somebody yesterday, he epitomizes for our generation, right? Growing up, he was, he, he made cool, right? He was the griffy It was Griffy primetime, you know, the Bo Jacksons. They defined Jackson, cool. Yeah. They defined cool, right? Jordan, Dion was yeah. the first guy that yeah. regularly wore a bandana underneath his helmet. Like he, he made wearing a bandana under your helmet. Cool. Like the wristbands, the, 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 the dance, like, so, and he hasn't changed his, his person. He is an
0: entertain He is an entertainer. His
1: persona hasn't changed, right? And that's while being the best cornerback probably to ever play football fair home. It's close.
0: There was, a, there was a video he did with Peyton Manning, and he asked him, like, why did you, were you Did you just get bored playing defense because people would throw the ball? He's like, yeah, kind of. Like, I just wanted to play offense too. Yeah.
1: Like and he's he got bored.
0: He got bored in the NFL because nobody would challenge. And him. And he's so
1: Amazing. he's so relatable for the young player right now, right? He is he has converted coaching into what it probably needs to be is being a relationship. Like it, now more than ever, the relationship is pivotal. Now he's got other things that are working in his favor, i.e. superstardom, the fact that he's famous, all that stuff. But man, like the transfer portal. Yeah. Like think about what like if anybody watches Swamp Kings and watching like the Urban Meyer, Florida Gator story, like Urban Meyer ran a tight ship, right? It was militant. It was, it was the way it was. And now I'm sure Dion had like holds high levels of accountability, but you can do that while, being incredibly relatable to a young athlete and i had no doubts this guy was going to succeed did i know he was going to beat tcu in week one on the road i don't i I don't make predictions like that but i i believed he was going to compete and that kid's a stud like he's a stud i don't again maybe pump the brakes on the otani comparison because it's his first power five game but uh, again like i think there's again what better scenario to do it in than for the guy that did it right the two-way guy that could do it right and and again alluding to the fact that it's possible not only possible but plausible and and probable when you take a guy that's that sees the game that well and, and can can see the whole field right and you combine it with athleticism so there's a guy that's playing chess with the athletic ability right and it's pretty impressive and let's not sleep on the fact that his kid, Went for five, ten, and five touchdowns. Right, playing quarterback. Um, they they said in the post game interview, like the stigma of Power Five, right? Like the stigma of the Power Five. At the end of the day, it comes down to a collection of young men. Sometimes you get out athleted, right? But if if you're if you check the boxes and you play chess and everybody else playing checkers, like you got a chance, man. And then I think they're, you know, I. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top 10 of the country sooner rather than later. So it's just, he is. Dion is the package, right? He makes you believe he's got the swag. He's got the charisma. He understands the game inside and backwards. Don't get it twisted. This dude was one of the smartest football players to ever play the game. And I think that gets overshadowed by the fact that he was prime time, right? But you don't get that good without being that smart. And I heard him say a line on on mm-hmm. Coach Prime last year, yeah. sorry, last point. And this was my favorite thing, and I think I alluded to it. I, he, he said it in in the interview. I was watching the, the documentary. He said, you better find something bigger than yourself to believe in because you'll quit on you. And alluding to how much you need to believe in team and, and that chemistry and environment. And everything he's done is like, dude. with full confidence like we're going to do this like you guys can believe what you want you're just giving me bullet bullet board material i got the receipts he said i got receipts and he said it in the post game yesterday i got receipts
0: yeah well it's i mean it's 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 both obvious and profound and i've been like that combination of things is really cool where if he wants you as a player. He's set a standard to say, look, look, we want to be the best. And if he wants you as a recruit, he's basically saying, I think you're one of the best. And I want to build something special with you. But you need to believe in what we're doing because I believe in who you are. That's so powerful to tell a kid. And it's, he's, he's not, they asked him about uh, how they get Hunter. I mean, Hunter was committed to Jackson State and he's basically going to follow prime wherever he goes that's wherever he goes he's fun. and if you look at transfer portal like what's going to happen in the next couple of years with like he he rebuilt the entire roster in what six months <laughs> he turned the whole thing over when did he get the team so he's built a team that's a top 25 caliber team they just beat the seven number 17 team in the country it's first week of the year blah 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 like if you're if you're a kid coming out of high school or if you're a kid thinking about transferring who do you want to play for like what who do you want to play for when you compare like to other we'll call it stuffier situations more of the traditional more of the stuffy more of the the old guard type
1: stuff it's relationships, like, this is a man. this is
0: a it's a new wave, a whole different wave of, of reality. And coming the out. thing, the thing that's weird about it, it's Bobby, really cool
1: the thing that's weird about it, Bobby, and, and I've said this a couple of times now, everybody thinks the kids have all the control and power and blah, 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 blah. And so they're acting like they can't say anything negative to, to kids. Again, let's be clear. Young people, young athletes that want to achieve, want to be held accountable and you're allowed to hold them accountable. The difference is, you can't just bury them. You can't just knock them down all the time. You got to knock them down to lift them up. You got to lift them up to knock them down, to, so that like they learn to be better men and women. That's what people really want. They want that. They want it in spades. Because if you care, if you literally, genuinely care, that comes through over and over and over again. It's just the truth of it, man. It just it keeps coming through, and that's what that guy did, and he's going to keep doing and good for him and good for the program.
0: Good stuff. I'm excited to see what happens. Cause he, he went to Jackson state and there's been some outcry over the fact that he left, but he's like, I'm doing what I want all my players to do. Like I came here, they gave me a chance. I built up the program, left it better than what it, when I got there, went to the, you know, went to a power five school. Is he going to end up at like a Florida state? Is he going to end up at, an LSU or someone like that <clears throat> where the coaching carousel is real and other opportunities, or does he just stay in Colorado and build that into an absolute Mecca of college football? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Cause I mean, Colorado is big enough that they could, I mean, they can win national championships there for sure. For sure. Win national championships there. They don't need, they don't need like the, the, the history of Clemson or Georgia or Alabama or whatever. They don't need Col- it. They just Colorado was good prime.
1: in the nineties. The they had, they were a really good program.
0: Yep. going to be interesting. Yep. going to be interesting. So good stuff. Uh, last topic for me is uh, playoff stuff. Starting to starting to shape up. Um, if we look at the standings for MLB right now, what do you got on on playoff situations? It looks like on the I'm going to pull it I up think right the now. Written. So Baltimore, Baltimore, Seattle, Minnesota right now. Tampa, Texas, Houston, Toronto is a game and a half back. Boston's five and a half back. Yankees are eight and a half back. I think the Yankees are pretty much out. Um, National League, we've got Atlanta, Dodgers, Milwaukee, Philadelphia is in, ch- Chicago's in. And then Arizona, Miami, San Fran, and Cincinnati are all tied. So very, very close Yeah, race. Chicago's Cincinnati. still got a
1: they – st- they're like two games up, I think, in the wild card from the last place team.
0: Uh, Phillies plus five and a half. Chicago's plus three. Yeah. Uh, and then Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, and Cincinnati are all tied. Yeah,
1: so those – that, that second and third spot are still up for grabs. Um the American yeah. leagues just really is Toronto. Can Toronto make a push uh, Boston, Boston had to win the series against Houston at home to have a chance, but then Houston just got swept by the Yankees. So, um, you never say never. Right. But I mean, it's pretty much written. It's mm-hmm. just that last spot in the national league and to see if Chicago can hold and there'll be a lot of interdivisional stuff. Uh, I know Houston's playing Texas this week, so that could be, have an impact on things like if one and team they're, sweeps they're currently yeah, if one team sweeps on the then right they take over the 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 second wild card um and Toronto could slide in Boston could slide back into it but it's i mean look it, to me it's a the national
0: to, and then in the AL Central there's only one team with a positive run differential yeah.
1: <laughs> to me it's uh to me it's an, the storyline to me in the playoffs is Atlanta Philadelphia Los Angeles and that's, I think, the National League is my storyline. I.
0: How about S- San Diego's plus 62 for run differential with a losing record? Yeah, can't get
1: that's out what, of their own yeah. way. It's tough. it be interesting. Yep. Go South Friday. Right. Friend of the program, South Friday. Go Brewers. Friend of the program, Sam Full. Go Phillies. That's what I got. Braves. <laughs> Friend of the program. Friends
0: all over the place. Bobby
1: Magallanes, (laughs) Brian Sicker, Walt Weiss, Sal Fasano, Kevin Pilar. Go Braves!
0: Yeah, we got we got friends all over. Good stuff. All right, take us out.
1: And on that note.